This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Well, Justin, we are, we are uh, once again here. And uh, let me ask you a question. If 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 you if you were just listening to my voice, how would you know that it's really me and not some say technology that's uh, like deep faking me? How do you know? Well, mostly because uh, if it was a technology faking you, you'd sound a lot smarter. This is true. This is true. Um, <laughs> I have no comeback to that at all. Uh, but but uh, but I I I was wondering about deep fakes, and uh, you know, because nothing is real anymore, and. I did. Uh, I did discover that uh, there is technology out there. Believe it or not, that that can fake people. Did you know that? Did you hear about this deep fake thing? What? No, seriously. No, I've never. What is a deep fake? What is it? Uh, it's well. I, I actually have the person who knows the most about this than anyone of us. So we really. Yes, yes, and I'm is going. It's like you think, like deep throat, like Richard Nixon's uh, Watergate informant, like that. Well, yes and no. Richard Nixon does play a part of this, and I will explain it all in just one moment. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Marketing Geeks. Marketing Geeks. Yes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for being part of the Marketing Geeks. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and today's guest is actually the guy who was responsible for some of the sounds that you have heard that are not the sounds that you have heard. In fact, uh, I, I, well, I'll get into that in a second. And uh, Justin, why don't you tell us who our guest is today? Yeah, this is an exciting one. So, I mean, if you've been watching like 60 Minutes or some of these shows where they've talked about how presidents can be faked now, they had think they have, if you may have seen clips of Obama's voice being mimicked and uh, Trump's voice being mimicked. Well, we have the guy behind the tech. Uh, today, we're joined by Alex Serduk, who has been building a voice cloning company called Respeacher, along with his co-founders for more than three years. Uh, and they achieved the goal of making a high quality synthesized speech to be used on the big screen in Hollywood. So please welcome to the show, uh, Alex Serduk. Thank you for being on the show. How are you today? Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me here. Wow. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure. So, so first of all, um, I, I found out about your company, uh, I think, last year. And this was, this was uh, where... There was a short film that was made. It was called In the Event of a Moon Disaster, where they deep faked Richard Nixon reading the speech of the Apollo mission if it failed. Uh, he had he had one handy just in case anything went wrong. And uh, luckily, thank goodness it, it was never read. But but they were able to deep fake his voice. I'm going to play that clip right now. So here is a clip from that uh, short film. Good evening, my fellow Americans. Fates has ordained that the men who went to the moon to explore in peace will stay on the moon to rest in peace. 
for every human being who looks up at the moon in the nights to come will know that there is some corner of another world that is forever mankind. Good night. So that was incredible. So that was incredible because if you, if you listen to that, you can, it, it really sounds like, Richard Nixon. And, and if you didn't know better, the, the, I mean, it, it looks like that's, that's the event that happened in history. First of all, can you, can you tell us uh, a little bit about how you ended up making this film, but I want to go back even further and, and how did you end up being part of this company? Yeah. If you start with my own story, uh, I've been interested in doing some, some cool stuff, some entrepreneurship stuff uh, for, for like 10 years or so. And before starting with Speecher for more, more than like five years, I've been working in business that's close to data science and big data as we know it. And, but it turned to, to be quite, quite boring because when you need to just use numbers to improve some marketing campaigns for, for banks, for, for big companies, it, it might be not something you want to do for, for like a long period in your life. And we uh, found this idea along with Dmitro and Grant, my co-founders, uh, the idea of being able to change one voice to the voice of another particular person. And we started to play around with that. And we ended up doing some very simple prototype that we played on a big conference here in Ukraine. And we resurrected a singer who passed away just a year before we did that. An audience started to tweet that this guy is alive. So it gave us some boost and we started to speak to, to folks we thought would be interested in this kind of tool and ended up founding the company in 2018, early 2018. And since that, we, we've been pushing hard on the technology side, trying to keep the technology on that level where it would be indistinguishable for listener where the if the voice was synthesized. Um, what percentage, like if you compared like two audio files and say you compared a source file of the actual speaker to the file that Respeecher is running, have you, have you been able to compare like what, like percentage wise, like how similar the audio comes out or anything like that? Is there, is there something that shows that um, just how close you've gotten to replicating that speech? Yeah, it's quite tricky about our technology and about the voice technologies at all because um, there is not like like a simple um, number you can calculate to say how accurate it is. You just need to listen, and you need to listen how natural it is. You need to listen how precise it is. Uh, you need to listen whether there are some artifacts in this sound, and that could be done by humans. And to get to a good number, we'd need to handle like a huge survey where different people would be listening to that. And we haven't done that, so we were listening to that. Our clients were listening to that. And uh, in some of our projects, like millions of, of listeners uh, of big movies uh, have a ch had the chance to, to take a listen. Now, how, how, much, uh, how much source material do you need to replicate a voice? So like if we went to like archives of audio of somebody speaking, like how, how long of an audio clip are you going to need to then turn that around into a voice that can be replicated? Yeah, we typically ask for 60 minutes, one hour of speech. And that should be a clean speech as, as good as possible. But sometimes we have to deal with smaller audio data sets and that always introduce some challenges. One hour is like to be on the safe side. 
So, uh, and I just want to mention now to our audience that that you recently had a, a, a major project that was just released. And from what I understand, you can't really talk about it, but I can. So you can confirm or deny. But if you have seen The Mandalorian, there's a giant surprise at the end when a certain hero shows up and says a bit of dialogue, and that is the voice but not the actor. And this was your technology that actually you they used to make this come to life. Is is this correct? I have quite limited rights to be talking about <laughs> this project, but there is publicly available information that Respeacher was credited. Uh, and that's that's all I can say so far. Fair enough, fair enough. This is really amazing because, uh, you know, what to me, this is like a, a game changer because it's one thing, and, you know, I've made a lot of videos in my day, and you can get away with, with the crappy looking, you know, footage, but the sound to me is far more important. And so if you can nail the sound and nail the rhythm and the cadence of, of somebody, then it, it, it is a, a game changer. So I want to I want to just uh, go back a little bit and and ask you how did you like why of all the things that you could have found you know pursued why was this the thing that you pursued to do deep fake uh, audio? Uh, it's quite a complicated question, but I guess the one part of the answer would be that it's a very exciting and complicated technical task that excited my technical co-founders and that led us to get together a huge team, a, a good team of sound professionals and data uh, science professionals who are able to, to do like a very heavy R&D in, in, in that particular regard. Uh, but also it's, it's somehow a game changer in content creation. It's a game changer in the way how we humans were using our voice for ages. Uh, so that's, that's quite exciting from the point of view of adopting some new advances of technology to multiple markets, not just content creation. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk a lot about deepfakes on, uh, on the show. Um, but there, there, there's a, a few things that I found really interesting. First of all, the way that, that you and I connected was through LinkedIn because you're, you're one of the, the chief people behind the technology, but also you're doing the marketing. So how are you marketing this product and how, like to get somebody to actually purchase from you? I mean, it's one thing to have, say, you know, a, a famous Jedi show up on screen uh, and then, you know, they, they don't want you to really talk about it. Uh, but it's another thing to actually use it from a more practical purpose, because it's, it's not like, I mean, obviously you're going to get a lot more work through this, but, but what other, what are the things that you are reaching out to people? How did you reach out to me and, and how are you marketing this to the general public? So what we are actually doing here at Respeacher, uh, we do B2B marketing and it's, it's not like, like a huge marketing strategy behind that because technology is quite heavy and we have to be targeting on high profile uh, pro projects and, and enterprise level projects where there, there is a budget behind that so, so it can accommodate our technology to be a part of it. Uh, we do some, some cold reach out and we use LinkedIn for that. We use email for that. Uh, that's not the biggest part of What's, what's going on in terms of leads. I guess we do put a lot of efforts to educate society about 
our technology uh, and educate sound professional folks, producers, directors, that this type of technology already exists because we have to deal with uh, adoption curve. And most of the folks, while, while we are in the very beginning of the adoption curve, they don't know that it's possible to replicate someone's voice where it would be indistinguishable for listener. So what are some of the other use cases for this? Like I mean, we've talked about using it in Hollywood. Um, it can be done to bring people back to life, like a, a musician or an actor or famous uh, yeah, actress. Uh, but what, what are some other use cases? I, I guess you said, I mean, you were mentioning kind of content production. So is that like it could read the blogs for you? So you could have like a nice voice reading blogs. Is that another thing? Or what, what, how, do you, how do you envision the usage of this from a, like a wider scale? Yeah, so there are some like edge use cases where we talk about resurrection or de-aging projects uh, where we need to bring people from, from the past. Uh, but there is wider usage in content creation when you need to pick up some lines narrated by an actor who is not available or who is very high demand actor. And it's quite hard to get them into studio, to schedule them, to make them read these lines, to match the lip sync. And that's actually boring work. Uh, so it could be done by someone else in much simpler arrangement in terms of time and in terms of costs. Uh, we can also enable one person in the studio speak multiple voices, and that brings uh, more flexibility around voiceover in general. So if you have just one good voice actor who speaks five different voices, you can voiceover the whole piece, the whole game or the whole animation much faster and and more efficient in terms of of costs. Do you do you envision like licensing out like people's rights maybe? Um, so like if there's an actor with a great voice like Christopher Walken or like a Sean Connery or a William Shatner or someone like that that has like a unique stylistic voice, um, would you envision that that could possibly be something that would be licensed out so that you would have the technology, somebody would pay for the rights to use that on a, you know, a single commercial project or something like that? Is that, is that potentially something that might happen? Yeah, we, we do. And that should happen quite soon, like in, in a year or two. And we actually work on launching a new product for this feature. I mean, for all these three years where we uh, worked with our technology, we had to work on one-off projects with studios where they need a particular voice and we uh, just launched the project particularly for, for them, making sure that they have all the rights to use the voice and making sure that our technology is not misused. But then we understood that the tech uh, gives, enables much bigger range of content creators and sound professionals. Um, and we, we decided to do what we call a voice marketplace. So that's a new tool that would allow one user uh, speak in multiple voices and we start with the voices we generate we create them so we learn how to mix voices so they do not belong to a particular human but they sound like a human and what you can do you can just uh, use the system to voice over the piece of content in different voices and the next stage for this type of voice marketplace we are creating would be adding voices of real people that could be like famous people who um, who consent to, to let us use their voice. Uh, but uh, there, there is some complicatedness in that regard because we would need to build a few more layers. There would be additional approval layer for owner of the voice, for IP owner. And there would be additional layer of compensation because they would need to be compensated. Uh, so that's that makes it uh, har harder yeah. to launch from the very beginning. That's why we start with 
mixed voices with voice plans from the very beginning. Probably a bigger market, though. There's probably a bigger market for celebrity voices. But it's interesting because they have that website, thispersondoesnotexist.com, which is a it'll it'll use AI to create a face that doesn't exist on the planet. And now you're talking about like creating voices that don't exist on the planet. So pretty soon we'll be able to create entire characters and unique voices and faces that do not exist. And, um, and that's the future. That's the future, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so I've got, I've got a couple of questions here. First of all, okay. So you, 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 you state right on the, on the website uh, that, uh, that you cannot use any voice that, is not uh if you go to respeecher.com there it is you cannot use any voice that does not have consent right but let's say hypothetically that i want to use a uh like a morgan freeman voice right so i get a morgan freeman imitator to map their voice and then i i'm able to uh get consent from the morgan freeman imitator does that count? Am I able to get away with that? Yeah, I mean, when we talk about such types of projects, we deal with like different levels of protection of IP of a particular person. So there is like copyright where we can use or we cannot use a particular material to train the system. But there is also rights of publicity and rights of private life. And if you are saying that this voice belongs to Morgan Freeman, it's not a fair play because you do not have consent from Morgan Freeman. You have consent from another person. So if you, we have consent from another person and you're not stating that this voice belongs to Morgan Freeman, it's all right. Hmm. So, uh, so how, I, I mean, cause we, we also get into some other tricky areas here because, uh, you know, we just witnessed this event that happened in the U S Capitol today and, uh, the president, you know, implored people to go and march and I will march with you. And they did. Uh, and so what would happen if this technology gets into the wrong hands? Because right now you're, you, you have the technology, but somewhere there are people who are also making this type of technology. So how do you foresee the future of, of how this technology will be used? And, and are you coming up with something that you can verify whether or not something is a deep fake? Yeah. So it would obviously fall in wrong hands at some point because people develop technologies and technologies become better and better. Uh, to make sure that we are prepared and we are protected to some extent from the threats that such technologies can bring, uh, there are a few ways we can we can do things. We can educate society that these technologies exist. We can uh, develop detecting algorithms for our particular technology so we can easily tell respeecher generated content from non-respeecher generated content but also there is uh, an engine that should detect deepfake content better should be developed by uh, huge companies that own content and that, that own spread of the content like facebook or or, or microsoft where uh, and we are happy to be a part of that. We are happy to provide all the all the data sets we can generate to make this deep fake uh, detectors better. Um, but we still need to think about this technology as not something brand new because we can compare that to printing press. And when printing press appeared, everyone believed to everything that was typed, right? That was printed. And now it's not the case. 
when TV appeared, everyone was were, were believing to what was being said there. Now it's not the case. And even if you look much, much earlier, we can say that rumors are like defakes because people were used to say not truth, not a trust. And in that regard, uh, that just just all about how we deal with information mm -hmm. and how we treat information we receive. So we need to put more efforts in educating the society about threats of deep fakes. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, that's that's really the moral issue on on uh, in, in a big way, because, uh, you know, we're moving into this realm of not being able to tell what is real anymore. If they're you know, what is real, what is fake? Uh, it's, it used to be that, you know, the recording, the tapes would tell all, or the, you know, the video would, would show that this is really happening. There's, I mean, it's hard to trust anything. And that's, uh, I, f I feel one of the problems, especially in politics is that there's this apathy of like, well, it's just fake news. You don't know what to believe anymore. Uh, and so, you know, you're, you on the one hand you have, uh, and I agree with you, it's, you know, you just have a tool. It's how you use the tool that really depends on whether or not it's good or bad. But, but what, what are the kind of the more philosophical things that you've had to wrestle with by unleashing this technology into the world? Yeah, I guess the, the, the biggest like holistic problem we have to deal with, uh, is the, the IP the actual ownership of someone's IP and the misinformation as, as a concept in general. And uh, with the second one, we can fight. The first one uh, is protected to some extent and it's actually protected well. So if people use someone's identity to say something or to do something that this, people, uh, th this particular person never did, uh, that that would be prosecuted mm -hmm. so it's not legal yeah i mean but how do you do that also if it's if you're you know because right now you're in uh you're in a different country right and so am i and so is justin so how how would that be pursued or if it's just like somebody creates a deep fake that's just released onto like hn uh or there's trolls who are just causing mayhem with it like, how do you put the genie back in the bottle or can you? I lost you for a second. Can you say it again? Yeah, I, I, I said, how do, how, do you, how do you put the genie back in the bottle if you have somebody who's like a troll who's just putting something out onto like HN and just creating mayhem with the technology? Like, you know, there, yes, in, a, in an ideal world, there's, there's rules and laws that, uh, that protect uh, individuals, but you know, where there, we're living in a world where there's a lot of people who are nefarious actors. How do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah, I would say that genie is out of the bottle for, for, for quite a long time. And it's not just about deep fake technologies. It's just about lie as, as a general concept. Mm -hmm. And deep fake technology is just one tool that could be used for lying, right? So it's, we should treat it like like one additional tool and we should try to control it to the extent that society can control it but also we should understand the environment around us the media around us uh through um through skepticism we we should think whether it's real or not and that's what we can do 
Yeah. So I have a question about the, the way that these are recorded. So, I mean, uh, do you have a voice actor first that's mapping it out with certain like inflection and then you're kind of mapping the other person's voice on top of that? So you have like someone that reads it, does the proper inflections, things like that. Or, or are you um, generating those inflections based on what's typed and is using some kind of machine learning? How, how does that work when you're creating like speech? Is it more machine learning or is it more of like mapping over somebody else's voice? I mean, there are two types of technologies which you can use for synthesized speech. The first type is text-to-speech technologies, and there are many of them when uh, the speech is generated from text. It's handy, it's fast, but it has some some obvious limitations, like it doesn't sound natural, and it doesn't know where to take emotions from. Um, Our technology is speech-to-speech, so it's like subdomain for that text. And what we basically do, we compare two voices, two timbers, and our technology learns how to, what's the difference between these two voices? And then it can convert speech of one person to the speech of another person. And what it does, it just changes the timber. It takes all the emotional information from speaker, from human. And that means that if you want someone to act uh, in the voice of a particular person, this someone, source actor for us, should perform in the way as this particular person would be performing. Like say the stuff in the same pace, use the same like language, uh, use same emphases, all, all this kind of stuff. So if you if you do like uh, Christopher Walken, you've got to do the same cadence as Christopher Walken uh, because the uh, the deep fake technology, the, the re-speecher will not be able to reproduce that. But so you'll have to have somebody who understands how the rhythm of somebody talks first, right? So you're giving impersonators a newfound employment opportunity is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, basically they, they should impersonate the way of speaking and that's it. And we take care of the voice itself. So, uh, so and, and generally you said you need about 60 minutes worth of content. Uh, once that's uploaded, then how long does it take to actually map out that particular voice, uh, you know, the, the, the voice recognition technology so it can be used by someone else? Yeah, so we basically need two voices. We need voice of a target person, someone you try to impersonate, and voice of a source sector who would be driving this voice. Uh, and once we have all this data, uh, we need to clean it up. We need to split it, do all this data prep. And it takes from, from a day to, to a seven days, depending on the complexity of the data, and after that, we start training. And current model we use, it takes from two to three weeks to train, to understand this difference between voices. And only after that, it, it's ready to do conversions itself. Wow. And conversions are being done faster, much faster. So it takes like minutes to convert a single line. Uh, however, it's quite far from real time, as you can tell. So, and are you are you currently in R and D to make that speed up that process, uh, or do you is it something that is still you're limited by the the technology by the computers themselves? It's not about the limitation of computer power. So adding more GPUs would not make it work faster. Uh, but we do have a bunch of R and D streams to. Uh, to speedify it in terms of training and in terms of inference. And on the inference side, we actually have some prototypes that work below the second, so it, it can work fast. However, um, we we have to deal with the problem of robustness because our tech can 
can do some mistakes and that would be like small pronunciation errors. Uh, but these errors are not acceptable when you speak online, when you change your voice online. And that's why we need to solve this problem first. And then we are almost ready to go to real time on the inference part. But training would, would still take some time. So right now as a company, is most of your revenue coming from like these Hollywood projects? Or how is your company making money right now? Is it like mostly seeking out like those type of projects, not to get into specifics, but like what, what type of... Uh, what type of clients are kind of uh, keeping your business uh, afloat? Yeah, so these are film studios that create films, uh, feature films, documentaries. Uh, these are animation studios that do voiceover, video game companies. They also do voiceover. They're dubbing companies. Uh, we simplify some, some processes for them. Um, and so far, uh, this is like content creators we are focused on. There are a few marketing agencies we start to work with on few exciting projects, uh, but they are also fall into this bucket of content creators. Uh, with the new tool, with the voice marketplace, we want to cover wider uh, range of users. And that would be not just, just B-level users, where it's like, like big studios. It could be indie game developer who can voice over the whole game uh, using their own voice, just change it to multiple voices from the system. That's so cool. Yeah. So, so, so I, and, and this was, this was one of the things I wanted to, uh, that kind of got me interested in this because I'm working on some podcast, uh, projects right now. And, uh, I was thinking, well, I might have to hire some voice actors and, you know, maybe, but then when I learned about this technology, uh, and, and the, the, the voice marketplace, I thought, wow, I could actually do an entire, cast of characters and just be just have my own voice being the 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 puppet master behind them can you explain a little bit about the the marketplace concept and how you're putting it together how it's going to be available kind of what the use cases are for that specific type of of thing yeah so the voice marketplace uses the same technology under the hood there are one big limitation, we do not let users introduce new target voices to the technology because that's the way how we protect our technology from any possible misuse. Uh, so we have some voices that are pre-trained that we created and also soon we will be adding more and more voices in more languages and even some voices that do belong to people as we talked earlier. And user, after providing a sample of their voice and uh, going through like some short waiting period where we need to adapt our system to the user's voice, can just open the tool, that's a web browser tool, uh, say the phrase, wait for some time, get it converted to any of the voices they have access to, download the phrase, mix it into the piece they're creating, or, and, and do as many takes it, as they want. And that's useful not for just content creators like, like indie folks or dubbing studios that can use one actor to dub the whole movie in different voices. It's also useful for sound professionals. And these sound professionals often face problems when they need to catch up some lines for non-crucial characters. When they need to do wall or loop groups, it's like a crowd uh, that you hear on the background. And they usually used to invite people to the studio and record this stuff. But now they can just record different phrases, get it converted to different voices and put it on the ground uh, just, just in one hour in the studio. 
being done by one man. Is that marketplace live right now? Uh, it's currently in private beta, and we have private beta testers from both buckets. So there are some indie developers and there are some sound professionals. Uh, we are collecting feedback, and we will be doing that for a few more weeks. And after that, we see what feedback like, and there is like some bug reports. We need to fix some stuff. And we hope to go live with the voice marketplace in February. So what's Quite so what's going to be the price point on that? Uh, if somebody wanted to uh, sign up and be able to utilize the, those different voices, how many different voices do they have access to? And, and what are you charging for that? Yeah, they, they would have access on the initial stage to a dozen of voices at least. So we, we run beta with 10 voices. And pricing structure would be subscription-based, so it would be like monthly payment. Uh, we don't know what limits we need to put there in terms of pricing. And that's like a question we ask our beta testers, how they use that, what law they put on our system. But in general, that would be comparable to some professional sound tools people are used to use in, in studios. So it would be it would fall somewhere in between like $100 to $1,000 per month for a single subscription. Yeah, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, it, I, I could see so many use cases uh, for that, especially, yeah, like a, an indie developer uh, doing uh, different types of, of audio projects. Uh, but, and of course, if I wanted to train my own voice, then that would be a, a lot more. Have you done your own voice? Have you, have you do you have a sound uh, profile of your own voice that somebody can deepfake? Actually, I'm not. And the reason I am not, because I have quite significant accent, as you might have he heard. So yeah, my, my co-founders, they, they do have their voice and we do demos in their voices. Uh, I'm not just there yet. <laughs> so uh, what, what, what kind of... Um, uh, what kind of other uses, like looking into the future, where do you see kind of the the other places that you might be able to use this technology? And especially like if I'm using it as a marketer, where can I use this technology? Where do you see it being a good use case? Yeah, so there, there are some cool use cases in marketing we explored, and that's all about scaling high demand actors or high demand personalities that could be some some athletes uh, where marketers need to create a lot of granular pieces of advertisement and they're not they, they cannot get this this person in the studio to do all this amount of work and that could be done by other people uh, by multiple people so it's it's ability to scale uh some some like voice of brand, face of brand, all this kind of stuff. Um, but also we, we target um, at some point to real-time applications of voice cloning, including accent conversion. Uh, and that would be in cold centers where the cold center, offshore cold center, uh, can talk to clients from a particular country uh, with eliminated accent hmm. or with one generic voice that belongs to brands so every call center operator talks in one voice but also it, it would be a cool tool like a plugin for zoom where i can change my accent to the accent that would be more understandable for for americans for example i don't know i want i want your accent that's 
<laughs> I want a Zoom plugin where I just have your accent. That would be awesome. That would be uh, real-time conversion, though, is that what you said? So you're, you're working on real-time conversion for to eliminate accents. That's amazing. Or to, I mean, depending on who you're, you know, whose show you're on, let's say you're on a podcast, maybe if I'm on a podcast in Australia or something, maybe I want my Aussie accent, which I don't have. Uh, so that's a, that's a pretty interesting use case. Um, okay. Now what about like voiceovers for like, you know, animations or explainer videos, things like that. Do you see that being also just a way of kind of eliminating the need for a voice actor? So you could just kind of get it like a nice deep resonant voice, uh, through your software instead of having to hire like your traditional voice actor, even if it's like, you know, doesn't have to be like a famous person, but just like a common voice actor voice, like a deep movie guy voice. Yeah, actually our technology keeps voice actors in the loop because they still need to perform and it enables voice actors to some extent because they can speak not in only one voice they were born with, but with multiple voices or even in the voice they used to have when they were like like 20 years ago, something like that. These de-aging features, they're quite cool. Um, so yeah, it's it just... Uh, changing the way how people were doing voiceover for for many years, eliminating some some significant problems of getting a particular person in a particular place in, in the front of microphone to do some work. So we can scale voices and we can get more flexibility in voiceover. And that applies to the whole content creation industry. It's almost like wearing a voice outfit, like you're wearing a voice suit when you uh, like a voice costume, if you will. Yeah, I had, a, I had a question going back. Andres asked you a while ago about like how you were marketing um, some of this stuff. But I, I'm curious, like, when you were marketing to the Hollywood studios and that industry in specific, were, were you having to do cold outreach to them? Were they finding you because you were featured in like, you know, various high profile um, outlets like um, magazines or things like that? Or how how did you get your name out to like big studios as a small as a smaller kind of startup company um, to get that break you know to, to kind of get a breakthrough where you get to be involved in a major product or project? Yeah, it's partly cold outreach that actually works. I mean, people know that great technologies are being created all over the world, so people are quite open about exploring new technologies. Uh, but also, that's uh, that's about bringing. Uh, professional community attention to the existence of such technologies. So we did demos for biggest um, sound society in, in Hollywood, MPSC. We did the same demo for AMPS, that's that's audio society in Europe. Uh, we are planning to, planning to do more of that. Uh, we were part of some festivals. We were we were appearing at some conferences where we talked about technology and then then some leads appeared also it helps to get more credibility in this market uh, it helps to get in credits of some movies and put some some logos on the website it's not that easy with big hollywood studios as you might imagine uh, it's long process but it's worth doing that because this kind of credibility uh, helps market it better also, Respeacher was a part of a big American accelerator called Techstars, and that uh, was joint program with Comcast and BC Universal. Uh, we went through previous year, and that helped us too. Now, were you doing cold email or cold calling when you were when you did the outreach? And then were you were you then like linking to footage of your uh, of being at those different uh, conferences and like being on stage and your demonstrations? Were you were you linking to that to, as as social proof or like what did the cold outreach kind of look like? 
when you reach out to these videos? It's more texting. It's more just, just sending a short demo of our technology you can see on our website. And usually people catch up with that because they see that they that someone can speak in the voice of another per- person and it sounds very natural, unlike they heard in many text-to-speech outputs. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's one of the things that that I find so interesting about uh, your, the whole project, especially if you go onto the, uh, website, uh, which is, uh, respeecher.com. Uh, and, uh, I have it up here. Uh, you can actually see a demo of it. And I guess it's, it's one of your, I'm not sure if it's one of your founders, but, uh, he shows how he speaks in his original voice and then it's mapped to Obama's voice. And it's it's uncanny. I mean, the way that it works is absolutely uh, you would never know if if uh, you know I, if if you called somebody with this voice uh, as Obama, they would they would really think that Obama was was uh, calling them. So I I, uh, I think of a lot of great practical jokes I can play uh, on on Mike <laughs> Pence right now, which would be fantastic. We don't want the technology in the wrong hands, Andres. Well, give it to me, and uh, that won't that won't happen if you don't. Uh, so, uh, so moving forward in the in into the future, uh, because you just had this huge project that you can't talk about, but uh, it, it there was a Jedi involved in a TV show that was on the uh, a huge streaming channel. That's all I can say. And it may have involved a Mandalorian something. It could be a, it could be a woman Delorean. We don't know. Yeah, but um, you know, so so uh, so moving forward, what other kind of projects do you see kind of uh, coming into your orbit? Yeah, so we're actually doing some something cool right now, which involves resurrection of the voice of a famous person, and hopefully, I would be able to share some some news in in February re- regarding this project when it goes air. Uh, we have some projects on animation side. And there are like different use cases of our technology. So you can um, use Respeecher for voiceover in storyboards in much easier way where you can just voiceover it in different voices to get more feelings on how this storyboard in animation sounds and make better decisions based on that. Um, we are doing some something in documentary field and there are quite a few projects in documentaries because um, I mean, the, the use cases are obvious. Uh, there is a huge trend that goes right now with all these VTubers or virtual influ- influencers uh, that would be like creatures, like humans that <laughs> that do not exist, right? So they're, 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 they're being drawn and they need to have voice. And they need to have one voice that would stay with them for a while. And we can create that voice. And we are actually doing some some stuff in that direction too. Uh, we do start working with gaming studios. And that's the same use case, voiceover for games, which is quite cool because they need a lot of voiceover. And uh, it's it's much more than in films. And in cases where when they need particular voice or high demand voice, they face much more challenges comparing to film studios. That's really cool. I think I think gaming is a, a great industry to get involved with with your tech. I, I did want to um, also kind of ask about bringing it back to marketing one last time because you have the marketplace, which is going to be coming live in the next few months, probably most likely. Um, and 
what are you, I mean, for that type of marketing, that's a little bit different. You're going to a broader audience. I mean, are you focusing, I mean, I know you're doing this podcast interview, which is probably the best decision you've ever made in your life. And, um, (laughs) and, uh, but how, how else besides being on the marketing geeks podcast, are you kind of bringing awareness to this topic? Um, you know, are you writing articles? Are you getting featured in top magazines? Are you uh, doing TV time? Are you doing, are you still doing conferences like that kind of stuff? Yeah, so we, we basically talk to our users because over this time, over these three years, uh, we had managed to meet a lot of people from both like sound professional and content creation side. And majority, obviously majority of these people uh, were not involved in the projects with us. And so most of them had some, some significant budget limitations because it did not worth it to use Respeacher for their particular usage. And voice marketplace can cover many of these use cases. So what we are doing right now, we are bringing conversations with these people back. Uh, We are telling them that we are releasing this new tool they were asking for, for for a long time. And I guess for like half a year, um, we would be growing with voice marketplace organically because there are some uh, technology catch-ups we need to do. Uh, we need to make it stable. We need to to make it be able to uh, handle big load, as well as we need to add voices. And adding voices takes time, especially in different languages. So we need to collect these voices. We need to get permissions. We need to mix uh, the voice blends that audience requires. Uh, so that would be an ongoing process. And marketing would start a bit later because for the launch, I guess we have enough subscription list. Uh, we are growing that, uh, but uh, we are not doing some crazy marketing on voice marketplace yet. Makes sense. What, what uh, have you found any uses that somebody's used that has surprised you uh, at all that you didn't expect that someone would actually use your technology for, for a certain type of project? <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting question. Uh, I mean, people try to sing with our technology and sometimes it can do some weird results, especially if it wasn't trained on singing, uh, and it could sound very funny. Uh, another good example of using our technology in quite different way would be using artifacts. And uh, we need to understand that what we do here at Respeacher, uh, in our R&D team, we play around with different ideas, how to make our technology better in various ways. And this is like heavy R&D. 99% of ideas go to trash because they produce uh, not the result we want to achieve, like better sound, better speaker identity, uh, easier way to create that. Uh, But we found out that for some people that create sounds, our artifacts could be gold because they need to make stone speak. And that's that's cool use case because how stone can speak in in animation. So they, they need to imagine that. And they can use our artifacts, something we throw in our trash bin for creating such, such, such cool stuff, say in animation where they need to creatures or, or, or physical objects to produce sounds. That's interesting. Yeah. How, how far away are you from doing like a, having kind of like a real time technology, like you were talking about, like a plugin for zoom or, or Skype. Uh, do you think that you're close to cracking that egg? Uh, yeah, we do. We, we have some progress. Uh, we had some significant progress over 2020 uh, in that regard. And hopefully this year we would be releasing the first real-time prototype. Not sure if accent conversion would be there. 
but uh, real-time voice conversion prototype could be. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the accent conversion thing really I find very interesting because, uh, you know, when there's, uh, especially in America, there's so many racist people that if they call a call center and they suddenly get someone in India, uh, they go bananas, right? And, uh, and if, if, if that, if that you, like selling it to like an IBM, for instance, where they can outsource entire call centers to, uh, you know, other places that, that people may have accents, but they don't do it because of customer service issues. I mean, the, the, you can, you can kind of shake up entire industries, uh, with this. Have you thought about that type of thing and what that, what might happen? We not just thought we, we we keep that in mind constantly. We just try to catch up with the technology, and that's great usage of our technology because we change the balance uh, we give to countries that provide these services, like like India or Philippines, more power, and we give more money to them, and that's fair. Uh, and they they can speak good English. I mean, they they can speak very right English. The the issue could be just just an accent that for some reason is anticipated in the bad way. Uh, and that could be fixed using technology. And that's great. Yeah. And it's people get insecurities around their accent too. And they, like, for example, I've known people that choose not to become public speakers because the accent is too much. They've had, you know, negative reactions to it. So this actually opens the door for those type of people to have a second chance at becoming like a public speaker or a public figure um, that's, you know, more widely accepted it in, America, unfortunately, that's kind of our culture is right now that, you know, if you have a heavy accent and people have trouble understanding it, then it's it's kind of viewed uh, in a way that's not going to be beneficial to you growing an audience. And I think this is a pretty interesting thing. It also could be met with some backlash, you know, as far as like whitewashing and, and things like that. You might hear like those kind of terms thrown around, too. I, I would imagine that would eventually come into the conversation. But it's a uh, I really think that has a lot of potential for um psychological benefits for people and like you like you mentioned before just opening up a whole new uh, potential industry or like if you're outsourcing it's like making it like an american call center um and just playing because of people's bi natural biases you're you're uh, you're of eliminating those yeah exactly and also the, there there are many cases when when people all around the world they have health problem when they lost their voice to some extent or their voice just just doesn't sound for some reason but they can't speak and that that could be solved using technology and that's great use case for our technology too yeah for sure yeah uh very i mean this is it's it's fascinating and you know i i, I can think of so many different uh uh cases for this so how how at, at this point are you still like just do you have a list of people that you call because you re actually reached out to me on LinkedIn and said hey this is my technology uh which I thought was really awesome that you know you're one of the primary people uh who developed the technology and you're also doing kind of the sales as well and uh which I I think is is really great but do, like how how are you doing your marketing how are you uh actually reaching out to people, finding the right people to, to market to on LinkedIn. How are you getting people to know about the technology uh, just with your sales cycle? Yeah, I mean, basically we have to deal with a very long sales cycle. So it could be like like from two years to, to a couple of months. And it's a um, very unpredictable sales cycle because for uh, many of the projects we did, we had to meet some particular need in our technology and that that didn't happen like like on a daily basis in these companies. Um, we have small 
sales team, quite small sales team. And the reason we have that, because as a startup, we are quite limited in resources and we try to put most of the money we have into technology development, because we understand how the technology could be improved and how it should be improved in the nearest future, because we have this feedback from, from our first clients. Um, and uh, we, we had to deal with some limited capacity in terms of the amount of projects we can handle over like, like single time. Uh, we, we were able to increase that. So our capacity is much, much bigger right now. Um, and we are uh, growing our sales team and at this point. We have representative in LA. Uh, we have someone in Latin America as our representative. Uh, we are going to have more, more sales people on board. But so far, I've been doing most of that because I want to build a um, very right sales structure. Uh, I want to have everything organized in the way uh, it should be organized and then scale something that's already built so that's that, that's what i actually were doing for the whole 2020 and i've been talking to most of clients and that brings a lot of very valuable information for early stage startup uh when when you develop something when you you are not just selling but you also learn from your clients on on a daily basis so you're you're actually getting the information and the feedback from potential clients when they say, oh, well, you know, it'd be really great if we could do this. And so you're in a sense, you're also doing market research while you're doing the, the sales cycle as well. Exactly. Yeah. And we, we try to keep that all organized. We try to record everything to be able to address the request of the audience we talk to. Yeah, that, that makes sense. A lot of times you'll go to talk to a company like that and they'll come up with a totally different need for the technology that you didn't even think of. Because I, I know a few people that have started uh, either tech or SaaS companies that uh, when they when they they learn a lot about what they need to features they need and things like that just from those conversations too. So uh, we're coming up to the end of the show, and if you want to find out more, you can go to Respeecher. That's R E S P E E C H E R dot com. We'll leave a a, a a link down below in the description, and uh, you can learn more about it and the uh, voice marketplace which they're about to launch. But uh, before we end the show, we always like to ask our guests one thing specifically. And uh, since we are the marketing geeks and we want to find out, I mean, you've got a pretty geeky technology that, you, uh, that you're running here. But, but when you're not doing this, what are you geeky about right now? It could be like a movie, TV show, comic book, uh, music, hobby. What, what is the thing that you are most geeked out about right at this moment? Yeah, I guess right now I came to the point where I feel um, some some physical limitations because I work all the time. So I need to be more focused on my health and I'm geeky about how I sleep. So I try to make it as as best as I can. And do you have any tech like techniques that you're using or uh, do you just get a bit early? Uh, you know, you smoke a, a sm smoke a J and then uh, drink a glass of wine, and go to bed. That's that's what works for me. Yeah, it actually took some time for me to uh, make my, myself not to keep my cell phone close to me when I sleep uh, and when I wake up. That's also important. And also what helped not not to eat uh, at least like four hours before you go to sleep. So that's what I found helpful. Yeah, or after midnight if you're a gremlin. 
I've tried, I've tried that cell phone trick and I, I have not made it there yet. Uh, trying to, you know, keep that cell phone away from me at night, but usually it's within like six inches of me every day. So <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I I actually started putting my cell phone out of the room as well, and it believe it or not, it actually uh, uh, it actually helps. Uh, well, uh, I am uh, I am so honored, Alex uh, Serduke. Thank you so much for being on the show. We uh, we really really appreciate it, and um, good luck with the with the uh, with the technology. I think you're going to do super well, and when you when you finally become a millionaire. Uh, come visit me in the Netherlands, man. Where where else can we find you? Where else can we find you besides Respeecher? Can we, can we follow you on social media anywhere else that they can follow you? Yeah, absolutely on LinkedIn. That's the main sales channel. So we'll, we'll link to your LinkedIn in the uh, in the show description. So if you're uh, listening to the podcast, go to the show notes, and we'll have a link to his LinkedIn subscription and to the Respeecher website. Yeah, very good. And uh, with that, we're going to sign off of this live stream, but uh, definitely check out the technology. Uh, thank you so much again for being on the uh, uh, on the show. Just hang on uh, real quick, and then we will uh, we'll talk to you uh, soon. Signing off. Well, uh, I feel I feel uh, like maybe I'm a deep fake after that. No, I told you you're you're not you're not a deep fake because you'd sound so much smarter if you were. It's 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 so true. That joke wasn't funny the first time. You know, an hour later, an hour later, I, I had to come back to it to make it funny. Nice callback. I almost landed on the second on the second go. You're like you're you're like uh, uh, you know you're like uh, Louis C.K. Except uh, you're not funny. You just masturbate in front of me. That's yeah, that's the pretty, only- much, pretty much an accurate description. <laughs> Um, yeah, maybe, wow. You kind of like just nailed together my entire life. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. So, uh, we are, this is our first official show of 2021 and, uh, things are already off to a crazy start, but, uh, we have a ton of really good guests lined up. We're looking at, uh, refining the show even more. We're now doing live streams. So if you are on LinkedIn, please look up the marketing geeks podcast and follow us because then you'll get a notification whenever we go live. Or if you're on Facebook. Follow the group, uh, the Marketing Geeks podcast on Facebook as well, because we are broadcasting live on Facebook. We're broadcasting live on YouTube. We are broadcasting live on LinkedIn. And you can ask uh, questions of our guests real time. Sometimes we have that happen, which is really wonderful. I am no longer on Facebook. Uh, Funny story. I actually tried to get a uh, a new uh, like because I couldn't get in. They locked me out of my Facebook account because somebody was talking shit about Facebook. And uh, next thing I know, I couldn't get into my account. And so I tried to start a new account and I uploaded my picture. And as soon as I did, it sent me a notice saying, we cannot open your account due to community standards. <laughs> so uh, I, I guess- you were, banned. you were banned. I was banned. I was like, totally, I, I didn't I didn't promote Q. I didn't say anything about the, the pandemic. Uh, I just I just talk shit about Mark Zuckerberg. That's and, that's all. And their facial recognition technology found you and was like, no, you're not coming back, buddy. Not that guy. I I, I should just use a picture from this person who does not exist. You need, you need to shave your beard and, and do some weird stuff to to fool the, the facial to, uh, facial recognition tech. I don't know how do you fool that. You have to like wear a mirror on your face. I don't know. I wear uh, I want to wear a mask <laughs> of your face on my face and then use a deep fake no audio of your voice. And then you're going to get me kicked up too. And then call your mom and tell her about all the stuff you did. 
No. <laughs> no, we agreed. We're not going to talk about that stuff. We agreed. Get to it, man. I did. The, I gave you the clubhouse invite. Remember, I gave you a clubhouse invite. That, that goes away. That's true. I still got to get in there somehow. <laughs> so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're the Marketing Geeks. Thank you so much for uh, listening and uh, leave a comment. Follow us on Clubhouse at Justin Womack and at Andros. That's right. I got it. And and uh, and. I, log in. I, I do. I do. So uh, without, uh, see you next week, everybody. Thank you so much. This is, these are the Marketing Geeks. We are out. And stay classy. Marketing Geeks, come on, bring your friends. We'll learn marketing from distant lands. On the surgeon and Justin Womack, the fun will never end. It's Marketing Geeks. Marketing Geeks.